Hey everybody, welcome to this week's The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Riles. This is your boy Kevin Riles and all of a sudden from week to week I have the same shirt on. That's because I'm cutting all these at the same time. I'm a little behind the scenes there. Hey, this week I wanted to talk about was we continue our series on quarantine tools. I did a session uh, with a cybersecurity expert on the things that you need to be aware of from a security standpoint for your business and your home as you move forward. I did this in combination with the Fort Bend Chamber of Commerce where I serve as the division chair for their business and professional division. So check this information out. I think it'll be very helpful to you both business-wise and personally. Hey DJ, hit that music please. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. All right, so uh, today's uh, speaker, I've, I've talked to him via email. This is the first time. This is the one wonderful thing about uh, um, technology is this is the first time I've actually gotten to see Jason other than a picture. Uh, I did kind of Google stock him for a quick second so, uh, uh, so I could find out uh, what was going on as far as his company is concerned. Uh, but um, just very pleased to have one of our chamber members uh, step up. We were going to do this, uh, like Juliet said, live but we thought uh, obviously in their current con conditions we can't do that live uh, that this would be an awesome uh, way to do this especially since we're using technology so uh, just as a matter of introduction i'm going to use your first slide uh, uh, jason uh, to introduce you um, u.s navy uh, veteran from 96 to 2000 he has a top secret government clearance so right now um, you know, I, when I read that, I was like, you know, he might have some stuff on here that can tell us, you know, our blood types and things. I don't know what that, you know, uh, those things mean. I'm just joking. Uh, but uh, if you're in IT, I'm a former IT guy, even though I sell commercial real estate. So uh, I will just tell you that all of his credentials are top notch as far as the certifications. Uh, we really have an expert uh, today as it pertains to uh, information security and uh, data analytics and things of that nature. So, uh, so without further ado, I'm going to uh, introduce you to, to Jason. Jason, the stage is yours, sir. All right. Uh, appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah, this, uh, <clears throat> glad everybody, you know, had the chance to jump on. Um, I think, you know, we'll go through this. I'll probably take a little bit of a different direction considering everything that's going on now. Um, and just like when I do these live, I try to make it as um, as interactive as possible, I think, to, to really understand proper information security and cybersecurity really has to be a discussion. Uh, yeah. And Jason, two things. One, just let me know next slide. And then two, if you guys want to ask questions while Jason is going, please feel free to type those into uh, the chat. And at the very end, I'll unmute everyone if they want to ask specific questions. So just wanted, I forgot to say that. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, you know, I was going to kind of bring that up. Yeah, definitely feel free. To, to interrupt or, or drop a question in the chat. We'll try to definitely get to as many of those as possible, if not all of them. And if we need to take anything offline one-on-one, -on -one, I'd be more than happy uh, to do that. And I'll also share my contact information in the chat um, in a few minutes. Uh, so yeah, so thank you again, Kevin, for the introduction. Um, you know, I uh, am the founder and chief security officer of Triad Cybersecurity. I also have a IT management company called Elevated Technologies that's been around for 14 years. And then I'm also the founder of Cybersecurity Insurance Group, which is an insurance agency that focuses solely on cybersecurity uh, and privacy insurance. I'm also the author of Small Business, A Hacker's Playground, which is a book that was published uh, last year sometime. Um, it's really just it was written for the small business owner really kind of breaking down the 
complex cyber threats in, in a way that anyone can understand them uh, and then also learn you know, certain tactics uh, and strategies that they can use to protect their business uh, against those cyber threats. Because there's still a lot of education to be done out there in the small business community around mindset and you know, getting some of these business owners to realize that they are truly a target uh, it's not, you know, some guy in a hoodie in his mom's basement going after you. Um, it's more of an automated tool, you know, just looking for some vulnerabilities and misconfigurations in your company's network that they can take advantage of. And as soon as they find out, you know, that they'll, they'll definitely make an attempt. Um, in addition to obviously a lot of what's going on currently is, you know, the phishing and the social engineering and really kind of uh, taking advantage of human beings, which I think is what we'll probably talk the most about today. I think it's right now it's, it's of extreme importance. So, uh, so yeah, just a, a few stats. Uh, I usually don't do the boring, uh, a lot of boring stats, but I think these are fairly important. A, a one in five small businesses, you know, will suffer a cyber breach this year. Um, 81% of all breaches happen to small to medium-sized businesses. And I believe the last one, yeah, 90%. I'll start with an email. And I would almost venture a guess that these numbers might actually increase now uh, with the COVID-19 transition that we've had to make to, to working from home. Uh, I think the, the hackers, cyber criminals, you know, they're well aware of the vulnerabilities in small businesses. And now that small businesses have sent everyone to work from home and in some cases people are working from their home computers not necessarily a, a business computer that might be monitored and managed a little bit better um, you know these guys know that uh, so they know that if uh, it might be a little bit easier to uh, to get in or, or take advantage of, of a home computer system knowing that there's a path to the business because of the remote access required uh, for people to get their jobs done you know these days while they're at home so um, we definitely need to stay vigilant. Oh, that's you, Kevin. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, this is where uh, I kind of opened it up a little bit, uh, especially when in person. You just If anyone has any stories, questions uh, that they'd like to share, uh, you know, now uh, would, you know, would be a great time. Uh, if anybody's seen certain fishing uh, scams that are, are super legitimate that they would want to share with other people on the call or you know if they've been through something worse like a ransomware outbreak uh, anybody I just unmuted everyone so uh, or at least I tried to but if, uh, if anyone has any uh, any war stories feel free to chime in here all right oh well uh, I, I will say this, um, Jason. Um, so, I'm a commercial real estate broker, and I have had two attempts with my clients on uh, relatively large scale, you know, three, four million dollar properties where we go under contract, and the title industry has been hit pretty hard with people sending spoofed emails to have them wire the earnest money. Typically, earnest money on a deal like that is anywhere from, say, $20,000 to $50,000. Uh, and I just recently had um, two weeks ago before this COVID stuff happened where um, my client got a spoof email as we were going under contract. I don't know who's, e I don't think it was my email that they were sniffing around, but it had just enough information in it 
to seem valid. Uh, it just happened to be the wrong title company. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, she sent it to me saying, hey, I thought, you know, this is this title company versus that title company. And I was able to, uh, to catch it. So that's been pretty prevalent here uh, lately in our industry uh, to the point where now most title companies are, um, are now uh, saying call to verify. Mm -hmm. uh, before you wire funds, uh, because uh, you know they are getting into the mail systems uh, and putting enough information about the property or the legal description or something that makes you really feel like it's it's uh, really so. To me, that's another level than just you know the the Nigerian uncle and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, it's it's moved well beyond the Nigerian print scam. And, and to your point, uh, we work with several title companies, and I've seen that exact situation as well uh, with one of our title companies they're actually down in Wharton uh, very very exact similar case they were actually headed into closing it was like three million dollar land deal and someone was sitting watching the emails and as they were getting ready to close they sent an email with a, an all of a sudden change in the wiring instructions for the down payment and luckily from what I understand uh, on the the buyer side one of the people that were involved just happened to be an IT guy and he was, you know, able to kind of catch the, catch it in, in the act. I mean, otherwise, yeah, that, that down payment for, yeah, I'm sure a large sum of money could have, could have been gone. So. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this for commercial deals. It's happening residentially. Yeah, oh yeah. Before. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Any, anything they can do to, to extort money, you know, whether it's commercial. Right. Uh, so, uh, and then uh, I have a, a question came up on the it's chat. A, uh, oh, no, hackers, are you inviting hackers or something in higher ed? Is that a question or? No. Hold on. I think that might have, we just might have been catching some, uh, some background. Um, Jason, hold on. All right, uh, I did get a question via chat, uh, and the chat question was, um, did those scammers use DocuSign? Um, if you're asking me that, no, in this particular case, they didn't, but I don't know if you want to speak to just DocuSign and all of the different there, signing. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some really well-crafted DocuSign uh, phishing emails. Um, you know, there's, uh, they're really kind of in an effort, you know, distill any kind of information, you know, that they can. Uh, obviously, DocuSign is one of the most popular ones because of the type of information usually exchanged, you know, through the DocuSign system. Um, so, you know, one of the one of the biggest things if you receive a DocuSign email that maybe you weren't expecting or just doesn't quite look just right, you know, there's a couple of real quick ways to determine if it's a, you know, phishing email versus a legitimate. And that's one, obviously, to look at the reply to address at the top of the email, you know, the name may match because that's very easy to spoof, but the actual email address that it come from is not so easy. Some people can do it, but not all. So it's really a quick way to look. And if that looks out of place, you know, that it's most likely a phishing email or if, um, in the body of the email, you know, if there's a link to take you, say, to the DocuSign document, and if you just hover your mouse uh, over the the link, um, especially like for example, if you use Outlook, down in the bottom left corner, it will actually expose where that link would take you without you having to click on it. And that's another really quick and easy way 
uh, to kind of determine uh, if it's a phishing email or not. But yeah, but DocuSign is definitely one of the more uh, spoofs out there. So, so to that point, the second example I'll use is that um, I teach at Prairie View A&M University, which is part of the A&M system, and um, they have been recently, as of last week, uh, received a spoof email from my dean um, mm -hmm. um, uh, that had her name, had her signature, um, and if I had not done what you just said, which was hover over her email address to see that it was her name dot pvamu at gmail. Mm, yeah. uh, instead of, uh, then, uh, and she was asking for some information that just seemed kind of weird. Uh, and so uh, they've attacked our, our university uh, system as well. And again, just this level of sophistication, um, just to know enough information to make you, uh, you know, think that it's uh, legitimate. So uh, like that hovering over is something I do almost on you know, even when I receive anything from anyone now, I'll hover over and see what that link address is. Yeah, it almost becomes a habit. Right. Uh, and, it, and it does. I mean, and, and people really, you know, kind of need to to slow down and, and really look because, you know, some of these spoofs, they may just be one single letter off yes. email address. Uh, you know, some are blatantly incorrect, but some are so close. You know, you really kind of have to be uh, paying a little bit closer attention to, to know that it's a spoof. And that's one thing that, um, I think there's a place later in the presentation where I talk about, you know, verification and, and slowing down um, in, in your case, Kevin, you know, is picking the phone up and, and calling the dean just to verify that, hey, you know, is this, uh, is this legit? exactly what I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, I think we can go ahead and move to the next sure. slide. What we got. Hey guys, if you have questions, please feel free, yeah. uh, excuse me, feel free to uh, uh, type them in the chat as we go along. Okay, so yeah, perfect segue uh, into, the, into the fishing uh, example. So uh, a lot of the more common ones are um, emails from, you know, your, the boss, the CEO of the company, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, asking for Google Play gift cards or, um, there you go, no, that's okay. Um, you know, or, or Visa gift cards. And, and again, the domain names may look, you know, very similar, may just have either a letter uh, removed or a letter added. Uh, so it's a little bit harder to detect or, or very similar names. Um, so again, it's, it's always good to verify because uh, I have a <laughs> uh, kind of a real life story that I like to share when it comes to email phishing, actually corresponding with a cyber criminal and the inability to, to slow down and verify. So uh, there's a, it was a small business, about 15, 15 to 20 employees. Um, and one of the, one of the ladies in the office received an email from the CEO of the company. Uh, his name was perfectly spoofed. Um, but the reply to address was, was crazy off. It didn't even come close. Uh, but the email was a Google play gift card scam asking, this, uh, this lady to go out and buy um, six $500 Google Play gift cards. And when she got the cards, scratch the code off on the back, take a picture, put it in the email back so he could then send the information out to a client. So she asked, I'd be more than happy to go get the email or the, the Google Play gift cards for you. I just need the company credit card. He's like, well, I'm in a meeting. Now I will mention this is one of the first times I actually seen a live 
correspondence back and forth between you know, a cyber criminal and a potential victim. Usually they just send it out, hope for the best. If, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But this was a pretty long back and forth. And uh, so the, the CEO asked her, you know, go out, get whatever you can uh, with your personal money. The company will reimburse you. I just need to really get it done. It's important. I've got to get this, this out to, the, to our client. And she's like, well, I don't, you know, I just don't have that, that kind of money. And again, he's like, get whatever you can. You know, this is super important. Then at that point, she got overly frustrated. She sent a reply back about, you know, how the company sucks and the CEO <laughs> sucks. And you know, she, she was told if she worked hard, everything would be okay. You know, she has five kids and she's really just trying to make it. And, and there's no way to treat anybody. And she quit her job. Wow. And, you know, and I, I kind of tell that story, you know, abbreviated a little bit, you know, just to say that, you know, if she would have just taken a few steps to slow down because A, again, the reply to address was way off. There, there was broken English in the email. Um, it was a little bit hard to pick up on, but, but you could see it if, if you were really reading it. But the, the crazy thing about it was, again, it's a 15 or 20 person company. And the CEO is just, he was just down the hall in his office. I mean, she could have got up and just walked, <laughs> walked down and, and kind of verified or, you know, picked up the phone, texting, whatever. Um, but, but just that, you know, she was busy and it just started having this conversation and it got her, you know, pushed over the edge and uh, she ended up, yeah, quitting her job. One of the things you have on this slide, um, the hacked webcam laptop, my wife is always concerned about that. I have a uh, bill here in my office, I don't have it in front of me for some reason, where uh, now I, I put it on my, my uh, camera. Yeah. Uh, and so how, how prevalent is that? Um, because I had um, uh, the ring system, or uh, blink system at the house, and I, had, I still have it on the outside. I had a couple internal cameras in, uh, she politely um, told me uh, to remove them. Yeah. Well, politely, you know, it's all relative. But uh, so, um, so how 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 prevalent is that? And what's a way to, to prevent? Uh, yeah. That? So, so kind of on both points, I'll talk a little bit about the webcam stuff, and then also about actual camera systems, where I've got some stories there too. Um, you know, I think you know hacking a, a true webcam and turning it on and watching, you know, whatever's in front of it like we are today. You know, those, those days I think are pretty long gone. Um, what I see mostly now is phishing emails where a, you know, a bad actor will say that they have access to your webcam to scare you to pay them money. And then a lot of them, it's called the sextortion scam. It's um, an email that says that they hacked into your webcam they have video of you watching things that you shouldn't and doing things that you shouldn't. And if you don't pay them, they'll send the video clip out to all your clients or colleagues, friends, family, whatever the case is. So uh, it's just a, it's just a way for them to kind of strike fear into getting people to, um, you know, to, to pay money in Bitcoin. So it's untraceable, but uh, it is pretty good practice if you're not using it. I know, just either a post-it note over the webcam or, or they actually make devices now that you can stick to your laptop and slide back and forth to cover right. uh, 
over the webcam. So, I mean, it's not, not a bad idea. And I don't think that there's too many people, again, out there, you know, hacking webcams to watch what's behind it. But, I mean, it is possible uh, to do so if you get the wrong type of virus or malware, you know, onto your system. Um, but with the actual home cameras a little bit different, um, you know, they're, yeah, they're actively hacking those, whether it be, uh, you know, Nest, now, you know, Google Nest, Ring, you name it, there's a bunch of vendors out there. Um, and what they're doing is they know that, you know, people predominantly have pretty weak passwords, you know, on accounts like that. So if I, if I can get, if I can go to the Nest website and let's say that, um, you know, I've purchased your email address and associated password from the dark web because of a website in the past got hacked that had your credentials, like say for example, LinkedIn, back when they got breached in 2016, a lot of business emails and associated passwords got leaked out to the dark web for purchase. And, and I'm thinking, okay, well, if I have Kevin's email address and his LinkedIn password, you know, what are the chances that same password might me, get me into his corporate email or maybe his bank account, you know, or maybe now his Nest account. And, uh, and actually one of the guys that, that works for me uh, kind of went through this with his Nest Cam. Uh, his, um, they hacked into his account through the website, which then in turn gave them access to all the devices uh, in his Nest account in his home. Um, and one night they turned his thermostat up to like 90 degrees. Uh, and then a few nights later, it was like two o'clock in the morning. He heard a voice like coming from his daughter's uh, bedroom and he ran down. Obviously no one was in the house, but there were people just kind of talking and laughing through the interior camera in his daughter's bedroom, uh, telling him, you know, it might be a good idea for him to change his password. Okay. So I didn't know I was going to be uh, scared uh, on this uh, today's call, but I uh, appreciate that Jason, but it, you're making us aware. So, yeah. so, Again, if I'm going ahead, because uh, I have questions as well, because I use technology because of my background right. um, um, in technology, uh, I, I use it a lot. So you brought up two things that I wanted to, to ask you. And again, guys, if y'all have questions, feel free to, to put them in the, uh, the chat. Uh, but passwords, um, a gazillion of them. I mean, literally a gazillion of them. And especially passwords that uh, want to... Um, you know, change every 30 days or every 45 days or whatever the provision is for that. What What is a good password would be my first question. And then where can I keep those passwords safely? Uh, because I just, you know, you can't remember every password to everything. You just, you can't. If, if you are, you're a savant. So. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Great question. Uh, so to, to answer the question about passwords, um, you know, Nowadays, uh, with today's technology and the speed of computers giving hackers a little bit quicker ability, you know, to hack uh, shorter passwords as far as character length goes, I think they're now saying don't don't have anything that's less than 12, maybe even 16 characters, obviously make them complex, mixing in, you know, uppercase, lowercase numbers, uh, special characters. Uh, but when you start getting into, you know, 16 character passwords that have, you know, all these different character sets in them, they are hard to remember. And it, especially if you're following best practices not to use that same password everywhere you go. Um, because if that 
password were leaked out, you could imagine how many different things someone could get into. So there comes in password managers. So I use LastPass uh, myself. Um, and it it is basically uh, a browser add-in. So, uh, you know, Chrome is, is my choice of browser. So there's a little LastPass um, integration into it that and that's L A S T P A S S. L A S T, yes. Mm -hmm. L A S T P A S S. Um, so what you can do is with the, the extension in the browser, and let's say, you, for example, you go to your bank website, put in your credentials to log in, it'll pop up and says, Do you want me to remember this password? And you can say yes or no. Um, it also has the ability to create passwords for you. So the best way to use it is to let it do that. And you can define the type of password you want, length, complexity, and it will just automatically generate something that makes absolutely no sense. You know, there, there's no logic to it, but it's very complex. And then it will save that password as the password, say, for your bank website. So the next time you visit the website, it will just autofill your username and your password, and it'll log you in. Now, the one thing that I always caution people is if you use a, a solution like LastPass and it has all of your passwords in it, make sure that the master password that they make you set up is something extremely complex, but you can that you can remember. Because if you forget that master password, you, you don't get back in. Now all your passwords <laughs> you know, are kind of vault that you can't access. So now you have to go through and reset everything. And we all know kind of what a, um, you know, what a pain that can be. Uh, sorry, I saw something pop up in the chat, but yeah, I uh, can't recommend pass, uh, password managers enough. Uh, Caleb yeah. is, is, is amening you basically saying yeah, yeah. They're, they're an awesome tool. But what I do is I recommend people obviously enable uh, multi factor authentication, say on your LastPass account, and, and keep it logged off when you're not using it. So if you sit down, you get your laptop out log in to LastPass so then it can pass the credentials to the websites that you're going to. But when you're done, just like anything else, log off. Because if you don't and you have that continuously open connection to your LastPass account and you know your laptop gets compromised some way, then they could easily just jump into your LastPass vault and have access to all your passwords. So, let, me, yeah. let me ask you this. So the conundrum that, and we have a couple questions that are coming up. Uh, sure. The conundrum that I always run into is, so first and foremost, I use the um, Chrome as well, but I use Chrome's remember feature, uh, which is probably not the most secure, so now I'm feeling some kind of way about that. But um, um, what happens is if I log on via my Chrome, which you know I can share with all the different devices I have, my, my office computer, my home computer, my laptop, it's great. But when I get to my phone and I'm logging on to my bank or whatever, and I have this complicated, it does LastPass or some of these password managers go between your desktop and, 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 your, and your device? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And you can tell it in the LastPass settings, you know, once you set your account up to um, extend the sync out to a mobile device, you can turn that on or off. I had it off for a while, uh, but then I realized how much I actually used right. Um, so it, it's a little, uh, with the iPhones, it, it's a little bit tricky, um, but it's not terribly, you know, difficult to kind of get going on the iPhone. 
Um, I'm sure Android's the same way, uh, but it does have the ability to kind of extend that ball um, out to out to the phones. So, so we, have, we have a question from Juliet. Um, what is the best way to secure a network uh, and all smart devices? Would it be a VPN? And if so, what would you recommend? Um, like securing uh, access to the corporate network remotely? Is that the question? Hold on, let me just unmute. Yeah, just get a little bit of clarification. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, from working remotely, you know, VPNs are great. I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely something I wanted to talk about with everything going on today. So VPNs are extremely secure. Pretty much every VPN you use it has some sort of level of encryption behind it. Uh, so therefore, it's extremely hard to say to break in and the hacker actually. Uh, take control or, or jump in the middle of a session through a VPN. So, so you, you, you can rest assured that they're safe. Um, what I caution people uh, with in using VPNs, especially now that everybody's trying to work from home, is just be, be careful about the device that you're using at home to connect a VPN back to your, your and just for those that don't know, can you just tell them what VPN cause some people. Oh know. yeah. So VPN is a virtual private network. So, uh, it basically builds a encrypted tunnel from say your home to your business. So therefore you, it's basically like running an extremely long cable <laughs> from your home to your business. And once the VPN is connected, you can access, you know, your, your shared data printers, anything that's on your company's network, you would have access to it because now you're basically an extension of that, that company network. But that's where, a little bit of security concerns come in because you have that wide open tunnel straight from your house to your business. And if you're using, say your home computer uh, and it's the home computer that your kids use and other people use. And again, it's not necessarily a, an asset that your company provided you with that, that might not have all the, the bells and whistles when it comes to security, like most businesses have, or at least you hope they have. Um, you know, anything that you get on that computer that you accidentally download or click, um, you know, has the ability to go through that tunnel from your home to your business. So you just want to be, uh, be very cautious. Um, and I've actually done some videos, uh, for some of my IT company friends, you know, telling them that it might be a good idea to turn off the ability to access your home internet while the VPN is connected. So when you connect the VPN, you can only do work stuff. And then when you disconnect it, then you can get on YouTube or, or whatever you want from home. So there's a little bit of security there. Um, and just, you know, again, almost like LastPass, when you're not using it, disconnect it because you don't want to just kind of leave it constantly running, which a lot of them have the ability to do. Uh, so it's just, it's a very secure mechanism to work remotely. It just has to be used properly. Great. All right, I'm going to continue with your slides here. Yeah, so this is if you have questions, feel free to, to send them on the chat. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, so this is just some examples of kind of what, we, what we've been talking about. Um, you can see the John Wade, if you look at his email address, it, it's primeddownhole.com and where it actually should be just be prom downhole, which is a drilling company. So just that one extra letter, but it kind of blends together and it's, a, it's kind of easy to miss. Um, and Kevin, if you wanted to shoot through a couple more, it actually yeah. starts to point things out. Um, 
And of course, you know, the from name, you know, there's no two section. So that's another thing to look at. Uh, if you get an odd email and you look and your name or your email address is not actually in a two line. So you can definitely tell it was a, a blanket or a mass, you know, spam email that definitely helps detect a few things. Um, and I think the bottom one, uh, yeah, definitely uh, not specific. Yeah, poor grammar. Uh, yeah, and I think that one is uh, yeah, correct name but incorrect email. So that, that that's kind of the, the biggest things to look at. And some of this stuff a little bit easier to do in person, but um, but yeah, the look at the email address, the reply to address, hover over the links. Um, but I think really the biggest thing because some of these are are getting uh, pretty sophisticated um, in their look and their feel. They're coming from vendors that you use or, or products that you use. Um, so I always tell people if there's just that one slight bit of doubt, pick up the phone, stop what you're doing, call, you know, because I've just seen, you know, so many cases, not necessarily people losing their jobs. I mean, that's an interesting case, but you know, I've seen a lot of money disappear, you know, because of these with people, not verifying and, and they wire money or they pay an invoice or, um, you know, or they just, they click a link. And uh, um, uh, I forgot her name on Shark Tank. Uh, oh, Barbara, Barbara Corcoran. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Same thing, 400 grand gone just because, you know, her accounting people didn't slow down. Um, yeah, and they, her accounting, for those of you that don't know, Barbara Corcoran uh, on Shark Tank, um, she sent uh, 400 or her company sent $400,000 uh, to I don't know if it was Russia or it, it was it was yeah. I forgot the country but um, uh, four hundred thousand dollars her bank uh, to uh, on this particular deal uh, and they just were going like fast like you said according to the to the the news report she did eventually get it back supposedly because I guess mm -hmm. she's so popular that um, <laughs> uh, people got scared they sent it back. But yeah, well, getting it back is obviously the hard thing. And, and that's really where um, cyber insurance kind of comes into play. Um, and there's another slide in the future that talks a little bit about that. But I can just kind of plug it real quick. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with cybersecurity insurance, you know, for your business, it's a, an insurance policy that allows you to recoup uh, financial loss due to some type of cyber attack. Like, for example, in, in Kevin's example, if um, if that deal, you know, would have gotten sideways and they would have wired the money to the wrong place at closing for, for that real estate deal, then if the title company, if they were the ones that made the mistake, um, if they would have had a cybersecurity insurance policy, there's a good chance, you know, they could have filed a claim and, and recoup that money. Um, you know, if there's business income loss, let's say uh, ransomware gets on your network and you're able to recover from it, um, so you don't necessarily lose any data, but you've lost, you know, a day, two days, three days worth of productivity, which means you've lost that revenue. You can file a claim to, to recoup some of that through business income loss, you know, due to a cyber attack. Um, so in Barbara's case, um, you know, if she would have had the right policy and not been as popular, um, the part of cybersecurity insurance is it covers um, involuntary transfer of funds. Uh, so basically, if you're a victim of social engineering and it costs money, you can potentially get that money back uh, through an insurance claim. But just like any insurance claim, it'll go through an adjuster and there will be, 
you know, some research that has to be done into the situation. And, and of course, then they'll approve or deny the claim. But um, it's very inexpensive for what it is uh, when you look at coverages of, you know, a million, two million dollars. Uh, so if a business doesn't have it, and especially now, in, as what we're dealing with, and you have businesses have so many people working from home that opens up so many more vulnerabilities to your business that you may not necessarily be aware of. Um, if you don't have it, it's something that I would highly recommend, at least looking into getting a quote and just kind of going from there. Gotcha. Uh, social engineering. So this is kind of uh, the blanket term for everything that we've been talking about. This is your uh, phishing emails or social engineering. There's new terms coming out called uh, vishing, uh, which is voice phishing. That's a video you see on your screen. I probably won't play that well. um, through Zoom, but it's, it's a real quick video uh, where this is a female hacker. It's at one of the hacking conferences in Vegas. Um, she was able to spoof the host of the guy that you see in the corner. She spoofed his um, cell phone number, called the provider, AT&T, Verizon, whoever it was, and just pretended to be his wife and, you know, had a baby uh, crying in the background on YouTube. So it just, it made this scene. Um, you want me to see if I can play it? Uh, you can try it and see, uh, hopefully the quality will hold up. So I invited a few of the world's best hackers to try can to hear that? Here. show me where my vulnerabilities are. And now I'm going to meet them in Las Vegas for DEFCON, the biggest hacker convention of the year. They're going to hack me using social engineering, which is, essentially hacking without any code. I just use a phone and an internet connection. Do you want to do a sample of phishing call? What's phishing? Phishing is voice solicitation. And basically um, what you do is you use the phone to extract information or data points that can be used in a later attack. Let's do it. Okay. You, who are you going to call? Maybe I'll call your cell phone provider and okay. see if I can get them to give me your email address. I, I bet they're good. I bet they have my back. <laughs> but yeah, go, go for it. I'm going to spoof from your number, so it's going to look like it's calling from me. Okay. Hi. I'm actually, I'm so sorry. Can you hear me okay? I, my baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my husband's like, we're about to apply for a loan, and we just had a baby, and he's like, get this done by today, so I'm so sorry. I can't um, call you that. <laughs> I'm trying to log into our account for uses information. And I can't remember what email address we used to log the account. Maybe he's trying. And um, can, can you help me? Awesome. In just 30 seconds, gmail.com. Jessica gets access to my personal email address. Now, if I needed to um, add our daughter, daughter on our account so she could call in and make changes, how would I need to go about doing this? You would have to send me a secure pin through a text message? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't think I'll be able to receive a text message if I'm on the phone. Oh, I'm not on there either. <laughs> so I thought when we got married, uh, he added this. This is gangster. This uses my girlfriend's oh my name and a fake social security number. 5127. To set up her own personal access to my account. Wait, I'm sorry. So there's no password on my account right now? Can I set that up? She even gets the support person to change my password. Thank you so much for your help today. So she just basically blocked me out of my own account. I'll get her set up. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Holy shit. So they they just gave they just gave you access to my entire cell phone. You're gonna have to go on and change your password now because it's just my name. And all it took was a crying baby 
and a phone call. Yeah. I am so scared right now. Um, <laughs> so this reminds me that um, I uh, have Comcast Internet Xfinity, and I got a text because I have two-factor authentication about Comcast is starting to offer uh, a phone service uh, through the internet um, in different markets. And in Tennessee, and someone had ordered a phone in my name uh, and changed my e uh, password to my account. And mm -hmm. so I'm sure with baby in the good background, I mean, like, I just, that just reminded me of that. So that was so easy. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, people don't think about, is an innocent person calling that it could be someone like this and that's why i tell people you know outside of the email definitely pay attention to the email you're receiving but you know it's, it's well worth you know talking to whoever answers the phone in your business receptionist whoever or if it's everyone you know depending on what your policies are just be very careful of the information you're giving out over the telephone because it could be very simple you could just call up and ask hey i was just verifying that you know, Susan is, is the accounting person. Oh, well, no, it's actually, you know, so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Then they can take that information and most likely all you have to do is go to LinkedIn and you can find, you know, the name, probably their email address or there's other tools to find email addresses. And now that if I know Susan it, or whoever is the actual correct person that works in accounting for this company, I can create then a, a spear phishing campaign against her and just go after her directly uh, because if she writes the checks you know if i can get her to pay a fake invoice or wire fake money i know that she has the authorization to do it so you just have to be very careful and i tell people i was like you know it's crazy to think that we live in, in this type of world but you know with the the term being kind of coined out there called zero trust you know it's almost something that you have to do uh, is, you know, if you don't know these people that are calling or emailing you, you almost have to go into kind of a zero trust mindset um, and then make them kind of earn the trust through, through validation. So. Got you. All right, guys, uh, just to let you know, for a time standpoint, we have about um, uh, 10 more minutes. So I'm going to get through the rest of uh, our slides here. Um, and then if you guys have any questions, feel free to start, uh, typing those up or get ready to ask them verbally. So um, we, yeah, I can, I can kind of speed through this to make sure we have time for some questions. So really, I mean, you know, they say why small to medium sized businesses, because they are the ones that are, you know, kind of the, the target of the majority of the attacks. And it's because of these reasons, there's just hackers know small businesses, you know, have smaller budgets to deploy, you know, higher level cybersecurity uh, solutions. Um, and even if they had the budget, you know, most of them have the wrong mindset, you know, kind of going back to the, my book and the reason I wrote it is because you just constantly hear, well, that's never happened to me. So it's not going to happen or I'm too small or, you know, the, we don't have anything a hacker would want in the first place. And I always tell people, I say, you may be right. The hackers probably don't care what you have. What they do know is that you care about what you have. And if they can get access to it and encrypt it through ransomware or steal it or, fool you into, you know, sending them your hard earned money. That's their goal. It's all about extortion. It's not really about stealing data so much as it is the money side of it. Cause the days of them being into the computer and uh, 
causing just annoying pop-ups. You know, those days are long gone. Once they figured out they can make money doing this stuff, that's what it's all about. All right. Um, yeah, there's, so the way I see it, you know, there, there's three really, three areas of building a, a cyber program, you know, for your business. So you have the technology that most people have that your IT people uh, have deployed for you. You know, that is your firewall, that is your antivirus uh, software, that's, you know, making sure that Windows and all the Microsoft software and other uh, programs. Any, like, any antivirus that you recommend? Um, um, I mean, there's a lot of good ones out there, to be Kersky, honest. Uh, uh, good. We use Webroot for all of our clients. Um, but there's so many out there uh, that, that do a really good job and, and there's more advanced ones coming out that where they're mixing in artificial intelligence and machine learning to really analyze what's going on with the computer instead of just looking at the files they're actually looking at behavior of the computer being used and if that doesn't meet a certain profile you can get locked out so there's some really Really interesting technology coming, but yeah, I mean, the McAfee's, Kaspersky's, Webroot, Sophos, I mean, all those guys do a really great job at, you know, endpoint protection uh, slash antivirus. You can get more advanced technology through cyber monitoring to, that, that actually acts as a real-time monitor. It's, you know, it's watching the, the traffic coming in from the internet. It's watching the traffic uh, going out to the internet from your local computers and if there's anything abnormal or malicious looking in that traffic, you know, your IT people can be alerted and then they can take you know, action and get that remediated. Uh, so if you face any type of compliance, you know, if you're in the financial healthcare or any industry where, you know, you're dealing with some really sensitive information, you know, some of those more advanced solutions are, are really needed uh, in today's world. Uh, the second one is around the human piece. You know, we've talked a lot about email phishing. We've talked about social engineering and, and the now the phone hacking. Now there's um, text message hacking, you know, where they're sending uh, kind of spam through text messages. I think the, um, I learned not too long ago that the, I think there's over 86 million fake Facebook accounts solely for the purpose of, you know, hacking and, and trying to friend you and, and take information through social media because it's, it's kind of seen as a trusted platform. Um, so what you want to do is make sure if you, if you're not getting training, uh, for your staff, you know, through your IT company or some other type of, of method, having a, having a training, uh, program in place is honestly just as important as the technology, because if you don't train people and you don't teach them what to look out for, teach them how to verify things, teach them how to slow down. You can have all the technology in the world and it would be the same as, as having the most secure house in the world, but just leaving the front door open. So, you know, it's just definitely something to look into. Um, training can, can be really effective in creating that human firewall and keeping the business, you know, even more protected. And then the insurance, which we spoke a little bit about, you know, it's kind of that rainy day thing to where, you know, nothing is bulletproof. If anyone ever comes up and says they have a solution that's uh, hack proof for a hundred percent, eliminate all threats, then they're basically lying. I mean, it just is what it is. You know, you know, some, somebody can always hack something. Uh, so having that insurance kind of in your back pocket, the same way you have, um, 
homeowner's insurance, or you have car insurance, you know, if, if either one of those assets were to get burglarized, then you have that insurance to help you kind of offset, you know, some of the financial loss involved. Well, you know, cybersecurity insurance is the same thing, you know, for your business. So if you get robbed by a cyber criminal, you'll be able to recoup some of that funds. And in some cases, that might be what actually keeps you in business. And then the last, last stat, 84% all start from the inside. Uh, so again, it just kind of goes back to, you know, having uh, trained people, you know, through various ways of, uh, you know, awareness strategies. It's having the right policies, the right procedures in place that people are following, you know, making sure that your IT company, whoever that is that you use, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, there's horror stories out there now that, you know, IT companies are becoming a really big target of hackers because they know if they can hack an IT company, they have access to a lot of people. Um, and unfortunately it's happened in some cases. Um, so it's just making sure that as a business owner, um, that you're considering all this and you're making sure that, you know, your staff, who you outsource, it doesn't even necessarily your IT vendor, but other vendors that might have access to some of your sensitive information, maybe an outsourced payroll company, outsourced HR company, all these people have sensitive information on you and your employees. So you want to make sure that they're doing their due diligence and making sure that they're protecting your information the way that they should, uh, because if they get hacked, and your people's information get leaked out, maybe their identity gets stolen, that will come back on you. Uh, so you just wanna make sure that, that you're asking the right questions and you're, you're having those, those, sometimes can be a little bit more difficult of a conversation to have, uh, but, but we're, we're in a time where, where you really need to do that to kind of help, help safeguard your business. That's it. Jason, man, this, is, uh, this was great. Uh, for those of you that are watching, um, um, and not on your phones. Uh, this is Jason's contact information. Uh, J Rory, uh, J R O R I E at triadsecure.com. For those of you that are listening on your phones, triadsecure.com is the website. And then 281 653 7726. Again, 281 653 7726 if you have any specific uh, questions. Um, and then he also sent it out uh, via chat uh, as well. So uh, I guess what I'm going I'm to stop sharing here and see if anybody has any questions, uh, either you know, verbally they want to, uh, to ask um, uh, before, we, uh, before we sign off here. You can unmute yourselves if, if you like. So thank you guys again, as always, and we will see you on Thursday, hopefully. Hey, thanks for listening as always. Do you have questions about any of the topics I'm talking about? If you have questions, let me know. Email me at kevin at kevinriles.com. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. I'm going to do a podcast just on the questions uh, that you guys are sending to me. So feel free to send them to me. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com.